0: Hi, friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am super excited to be here tonight with Anna Bach. How are you, Anna?
1: Hi, I'm so good. So good to see you.
0: Oh, it's so good to see you too. Uh, Anna was just saying that, um, oh, wow. Uh, now I know our th- this is bad podcasting, right? Since our, our listeners can't see my office. But she was like, oh, wow, I recognize that office. And uh, I, I said, yeah, some things don't change, you know. Uh, so I, I still have this uh, military grade green filing cabinet behind me. Uh, yeah, I, I try to spruce it up with all my other stuff. But um, uh, Anna is a two- 2016 graduate of our program. And um, like a lot of my podcast guests, she was a superstar while she was here in school. And we're going to talk about that. But we're also going to eventually talk about what she's doing now. She has a really exciting position working for a company called Fever as a producer of Candlelight Los Angeles in Seattle. So we'll get to hear all about what the exciting stuff that she's doing there. But let's uh, let's go back in time, Anna. First, tell us where you're from, or where or where did you grow up? I should say.
1: Yeah, sure. I grew up in Folsom, California, just outside of Sacramento. Um, did most of my schooling there from kindergarten to senior year of high school um, before coming out to Cal Poly.
0: Right on. I thought I'd remember you were Sactown. Um, so that's cool. So tell us what, uh, what did your parents do uh, growing up there in the Sacramento area?
1: My mom was mostly stay at home mom. Um, my dad did a lot of traveling sales and that kind of thing, but they both did kind of odd jobs here and there. My mom did some direct sales and, um, but yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, well, we have that in common. My mom, my mom was a homemaker growing up. So that's awesome. And you know, I'm, I'm resisting the Johnny Cash thing. I, I went, you see, I went straight to Sacktown. So I didn't have to address Folsom and yep. sing you some uh, Johnny Cash, because I know no one <laughs> wants to hear me sing. But tell us what it was like growing up there in Folsom. Like, did you, um uh, any brothers or sisters growing up or?
1: Yep, I've got an older brother and a younger sister. Um, I did love growing up in Folsom. It's very much like a, a really close knit community. So it was nice to grow up with all the people I went to school with from kindergarten. And
0: yeah.
1: um, you know, I think by the time you get to high school, you always get bored of your hometown. But <laughs> now I do miss it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So tell us what what that what that growing up in Folsom was like. Like, did you what did you get into? What was your jam?
1: Hmm, I did, um, dance growing up and cheerleading and gymnastics. Always yeah. like to do something kind of creative. Um, was fairly involved like academically in school and different programs and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed like cheerleading and dance and those kind of extracurriculars.
0: Right on. Well, everyone has a story about you know how they got interested in our major or, or Cal and or Cal Poly. What's your story like along those lines?
1: I had so many family members actually, like uncles and grandparents, oh, and yeah? kind of thing, who all went to Cal Poly. So it was definitely in the family. Nice. And um, once I was thinking about what I really wanted to do, I knew that I was like succeeding academically in a lot of different um, sort of areas or scopes of work in high school, but nothing really felt like a passion to me. So it was tough. And I really wanted to do something that I loved, something that, you know, wasn't just something I was just good at in school, but something that I truly enjoyed. Mm My cousin, Sarah Singley, went to Cal Poly um, before I did, and she became a wedding planner. And that definitely caught my eye because I was like, oh, that definitely sounds fun. So Uh, I kind of followed in her footsteps um, and, you know, all the family members before me and coming to Cal Poly and just loved that I could major in something that I was really excited about and a career that I could really see myself in.
0: I love it. So you you had a few Mustangs in your ear growing up. I, I, I love Definitely. I love hearing that. I hear that so much from people. Um so let's talk about your time at Cal Poly. So the first one, you know, that I like to ask is is one of those enduring memories. Like, do you have uh, you know obviously when you you spend time here in San Luis Obispo and at Cal Poly and you develop some amazing memories and it's hard to just boil it down to one but is there something that really sticks out in terms of an enduring memory and then we'll we'll talk next about professional development i know you were super involved when you were here
1: yeah um some top memories i mean i think just looking back like those thousand hours of experience like that was some of the best time I think I had like working with different wedding planners along the coast and things like that. Um, I just feel like I learned so much and was just like in a total state of wonder, like what everyone could do. I remember in all the classes, like having guests come in and talk about their event planning experience and just always feeling like I wanted to ask a million questions and, um, I think that's kind of what stands out to me is just those hours of experience and learning from people who would come and visit Cal Poly or working in the in those thousand hours of experience.
0: I love it you know I um I promise I didn't plant Anna with that with that answer, but uh okay. you know i I think about it Anna and i I think about like volunteering or or just getting out there in the community and and um I, I think sometimes we have a little bit of a of a tendency to be like, oh what? I've got to do a thousand hours. And like, oh man, that's kind of a bummer. Like, that's a lot, you know. And then you actually get out there and do it. And you're like, oh wow, this changed, this changed me. This was like like getting out there and putting yourself out there, you know, um, is is often oftentimes so rewarding. And um, so I love, I love hearing you say that. So let's talk about professional development. You know, uh, we'd be on here all night if we talked about everything that you did in school. You know, you were uh, you everything from uh, from our, our, you know, we don't have the newsletter anymore, the report, but uh, <laughs> Anna was the editor of the report. She was in the, on the quiz ball. She was ASI. She did so many different things. So um, if you had to, and looking back, Anna, is there something that you did while you were here at Cal Poly from a professional development standpoint that really stands out in terms of thinking about launching you on a career? Um, is there something that that really, really stands out?
1: I think that job at ASI events, like happy, uh, helping to produce all the campus events for students was a big one because, you know, rather than just shadowing someone and executing their vision for an event, like it really was the student's idea, the student's vision, and you just have to make it happen. And it was kind of that first experience of like, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to figure it out one way or another. So it was a lot of trial and error and just like really, yeah. I think, pushed me just to start thinking that way, like to think as a problem solver, um, you know, with the different concerts that were happening on campus or student government events and things like that. Um. So yeah, I think that one was really big for kind of training my brain into an event professional.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I when when um when Dr. Schwab and I did the uh, the book on, on Learn by Doing, and um, you know, ASI was was obviously one of the case studies that that we that we utilize. And you know, one of the things that we said in 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 the book is is we talked about how every university has their own ASI, right, in some way, shape, or form. And, and there's a lot of professional development built into it, right? But I just feel like when you have learned By Doing at the core of your campus ethos, it just brings that ASI experience up to a different level, right? You know, because you get so much more... I don't know. It's just it's like we trust students more. I feel like, right? We trust them to, uh, to like you said, figure it out. Right? That's what learn yeah. by doing is all about that figuring it out part. And um, and so I love to hear you say that. And obviously, we have such an incredible legacy with ASI. Let's talk a little bit, Anna, about your internship. So tell us about what you did, how you got it, that whole jazz.
1: Yeah. I was one of the many who go from Cal Poly to um, George P. Johnson. Um, And I loved it. That was definitely like the best possible internship I could have chosen out of college. I think going into it, I really thought like, okay, it's corporate events. It's just going to be, you know, kind of boring or just like (laughs) corporatized, but like, it was so creative. And like, I learned so much. And I think I got way more even responsibility than I thought I would. Like it was, right. you know, you're managing this multi million dollar budget, or, you know, right. you are responsible for finding these vendors, things like that. And like right. that responsibility, I think just really taught me a lot. And the events were super creative. I was on the special events team. So not just the full conference side of George P. Johnson and what they do, but in like some of the nightlife stuff and, some fun like luncheons and just a wide variety of the events that we produce there.
0: Yeah, I love it. And you know, you're like, I would expect from you, you know, you're, you're, LinkedIn, you have like all the different things that you did there at George P. Johnson. I think that's just so fabulous. And, um, you know, we're, we're so, we're so lucky to have such a, such a great partnership. And I don't know if you know or not, but that, that partnership has continued to blossom. And, um, you know, they gave, a Ah, uh, George P. Johnson pledged a half million dollars for our Experience Innovation wow. Lab, and um, we just opened our lab uh, th- this uh, uh, this spring. So we've got a brand new building on campus with our own space. We're super excited about that, but um. Yeah, um, uh, I I just uh, you know can't say enough about George P. Johnson. Let's talk about like um, you know you spent four years there. So when you think about the biggest takeaway, you know obviously George P. Johnson is a is a a titan in terms of experiential marketing and in terms of corporate events. Um, what's like a major? Could you could you give us like what you feel like is a major takeaway? where you look back and similar to the way you looked back with ASI, where you look back and you go, oh, wow, this really helped propel me.
1: Yeah, I think one of the greatest parts I learned from George P. Johnson was kind of client relationships and that relationship building to put on an event. It's really, you know, that part of sort of listening to what their vision is, And then making recommendations, um, you know, of what you think you should do with that and how you can execute their vision, putting together budgets to make it happen. Um, And it just, you know, it puts you into a skill set of pitching and like putting together decks and that kind of thing. And that's one part of events that I really still love is like building that relationship with clients and like coming together in a common vision kind of um, And producing the ideas that they thought of. So that was a really cool part that I got to be a part of there.
0: Really cool. Really cool. So, you know, I think I would be remiss not to ask you about this because, you know, a lot of a lot of we Californians, we have our own um we have our own side hustles going on and uh i know you uh, i know you well enough to know that you're you've been hustling on the side right <laughs> uh, so uh tell us about um tell us about that and tell tell us what it's been like to be a a freelance wedding coordinator for many years um are you still doing that um uh and 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 what type, how do, how do you manage all of that
1: Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about that is, you know, I kind of offer it more so to friends and family who are getting married, who need support Mm. with wedding planning. Um, I got married last year, which was really exciting. And um, thank you. So um, I think it's just something I'm really excited by still. So, you know, whatever I, I have going on with work, I still love getting my sort of, feet in with wedding planning wherever I can. So without overwhelming myself too much, it's really nice to be able to just like kind of come in and help execute someone's vision. Usually that looks more like just, you know, they know how to plan their own wedding, but I'm there to execute it, make sure everyone's doing their job and moving the day around or moving things, you know, along throughout the day. Um, So yeah, it is still fun to do that when I can.
0: I love it. So you keep your passion going with that Mm -hmm. on the side. So, I think I would also be remiss not to ask you, so since um you had a position end around um uh this weird, wild thing that we all had in our lives called the global pandemic <laughs> um that must have been a pretty difficult time for you um y- y- do you do you mind sharing what that time period was like and um and and, and what you did and how you kind of came out the other side, if you will?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, since George B. Johnson is producing these like mega events with international people, you know, flying in for conferences of 50,000 plus people, once a pandemic hit, I think I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is definitely gonna go away quickly. Like. Just knowing the scale of what GPJ does, it wasn't a surprise that they would have to kind of cut back and downscale. So they furloughed a lot of the team, which was understandable. Um, And then once the workload still wasn't really picking up for them, you know, all those lockdowns, it's crazy to think back on it now. Um, It was eventually let go just because they had to scale down the team a lot. So it made a lot of sense just because of, you know, GPJ is doing these massive events and they went virtual in a lot of things. Um, it also was a time where I kind of had to consider, like, do I want to pursue doing virtual events to keep myself going here? Mm -hmm. Do I pivot and use the skills I've learned in event planning to do something different? Mm -hmm. Um, and I was kind of just, spending that time brainstorming, like, what else can I apply my skills to? Um, You know, where do I go from here? Do I really want to keep going in events? Because it's going to be pretty tricky to get a job. But Mm -hmm. I stuck with it and found another position that I really liked. So yeah, it was a tough time. But um, yeah, happy where I ended up.
0: Yeah, right on. So let's talk about where you ended up so first of all tell us about fever what's uh what's fever like and um how did you uh how did you come about up, uh, uh, come upon pe- fever
1: yeah <laughs> Um, so Fever is a ticketing platform kind of first and foremost. Um, and I came upon them because they were hiring one of the only like events company, it felt like who was hiring amidst the pandemic. I started in February of 2021 okay. um, and they were producing these events called Candlelight. So the whole premise of Candlelight is it's a classical music concert surrounded by thousands of candles. Uh-huh. Um and I was just, I mean, super intrigued. Like, what is going on here? This looks so interesting. Yeah. Um, and the part that really drew me into it is that it was so adaptable. So, no matter what was going on with all the COVID shutdowns and things like that, like we could do a show with less than a hundred people. We could do a show outdoors. We could require masks. So. They were still continuing with the events whenever possible. Um, And that was great because it was like one of the only things going on at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And just I thought it was a super creative concept. I really liked the idea of it. So Mm -hmm. I got in as a part-time employee and started with just managing the shows in Los Angeles um, Mm -hmm. and have since kind of grown a bit with the company. But um, yeah, it's been really amazing
0: yeah yeah so so now you're you're a full-time producer right so so tell us um i i think uh i think our listeners would be intrigued about what what your day-to-day is like right mm-hmm. um is it is it a lot of planning is it a lot of booking is it a lot of all of the above what, what's your day-to-day like
1: <laughs> yeah i guess i gotta say all of the above to that one wow. um we are producing a ton of shows every week every month um I manage the shows in Los Angeles and Seattle. So between the two of those, it's somewhere around 20 shows a month, I'd say. Um, so a lot of the job is kind of just the busy work of contracting all those venues, contracting the artists, putting together you know, what people are seeing on the website to get sales live, mm-hmm. um, researching new venues, a ton of venue research onto new places that we can be in, and oh. um, Some pitch calls with new venues, new artists, things like that. Um, And then some of the parts I get really excited about too is we're doing um, sort of a branch off of Candlelight called Candlelight Original Sessions. So whereas it's not just like the standard sort of cover shows we're working with original artists who are like performing their own music live, um, for kind of up and coming artists. And that's been a really exciting thing to kind of wow. collaborate with different artists who have new music coming out and working on putting together this like really special format show with them.
0: Right. Oh, that's so cool. And, and you know, um, I, I think, a number of our listeners would have, have heard of the rock nation label. Right. And so, um, but they probably are not that as familiar with uh, the classical side of, uh, of rock nation, but is that right? These are all classical shows.
1: No. So we've kind of expanded. It's, it's always, well, it's mostly a string quartet. So Uh a string quartet will play arrangements of sometimes popular music. Like we'll have a tribute to Taylor Swift night where it's Taylor Swift music, but played on a string quartet. So it's kind of like inspired by the classical and we still do a lot of classical shows, but um, kind of just a different way to listen to some of your favorite music, I'd say.
0: Oh, wow. That sounds, that sounds really amazing. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you think about like, so what, what's the market? Um, Like who were you, who makes up the the vast majority of your shows what's the what's the target market like how are you how are you bringing people into this yeah.
1: experience definitely it's a heavily millennial fan base um so kind of in the like late 20s to 40s range is most of the people who are coming to our show oh. um we're heavily marketing on social media so i think that's a lot of the people who are seeing it and kind of coming out to the shows okay. um so yeah
0: Love it, love it. So you know we've made this, um, you know we've made this this shift, right, to to experience industry management, right? And I've given you I've given you some prompts, right, for those who are graduating right around the time when we were doing it, right? To make sure that you know and understand like where we're where we kind of headed with it. And one of the things that I think is really exciting in talking to alumni is is about this co-creation of experiences, right? With um um out in in whatever arena that you're in. And I would think it seems like for me that that what you're doing sounds like a a really sounds like a lot of experience design, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of that co-creation of experiences because what you said is we're, you know, you got drawn to it because of this cool element of the candlelight. Right. And mm-hmm. so I wonder, I wonder, do you feel do you feel like you have a lot of creativity in um in this space where you can go out and and help with your team to create new and exciting types of things? Is that yeah. do you feel how does that how does that go?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean Fever is a startup company and they kind of or we call ourselves like the Netflix of experiences. So wow. Like the way that you would scroll through Netflix and find something to watch based on what you like, it's kind Uh of similar with Fever's platform. So our team is always throwing out ideas for like new and interesting different types of experiences. And the cool thing is that I think as a startup, like, Mm -hmm. and we're looking to constantly build and throw out like more and more experiences for people to, Mm -hmm. you know, experience and come to, the company is super open to people's ideas so it's been really fun to be able to collaborate with different coworkers on new ideas for like new events coming up and we've got a couple in the works that i'm really excited about you know not just with candlelight but other just ideas and music themed events things like that uh-huh. dining events so, yeah, it's a great way to kind of exercise that like creativity and creative freedom to kind of just come up with some experience design that people would surely enjoy going to.
0: Right, right. I love that. So tell us, um, tell us of all the, the different things that you've been associated with. What's like, what's your favorite? Have you got, have you got one that was a favorite that like, you know, got goosebumps on your arms or, you know, or that you'll, you know, you'll never forget?
1: Uh, well you mentioned Rock Nation one of the shows we did was with a up and coming R&B artist named Maida um following like her first album release and oh, it was the first show in the Orpheum Theater post pandemic oh,
0: uh, no
1: so that was really special to be able to kind of i mean hear this artist that's like really up and coming but her music is incredible it was her first time performing live And it just felt like an honor to be at the Orpheum Theater for the first time after, you know, they were closed for over a year at that point. Um, So that one was really amazing just to collaborate with Rock Nation on that and hear this music in a really beautiful setting. So I think that was definitely a favorite.
0: I love it. I love it. Now, how do you spell Meeta so we can all look up Meeta?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. I
0: know in Hindu mythology Meeta is uh <laughs> is uh something different, but uh what is uh what is how do you spell it?
1: It's um M A E T A.
0: Ah, M A E T A. Okay, cool. I'll have to look up Meeta. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um so the 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 last thread that I want to ask you about is you know you've you've seen a lot in your in your young career you know you've you've developed a lot of different events you you've been associated with a lot of weddings i'm sure too on your side gig and um and now um you know in the the live music um space um i wonder if you have any advice for people who are interested and um, let, let's let's focus on live music uh, and the live music space and how to break into being an event planner and live music. You know, obviously, it's something that a lot of people want to do. And so it's kind of competitive to get a spot. What yes. advice, What advice would you give?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think getting into it can be tricky because it's really about building those connections and just getting in where you can, even if it's just a smaller role to be able to be on site and really experience it and help where you can. Um, I think a lot of the industry is like, it's kind of half and half. Part of it is you're constantly having to really fight for yourself and push and push the boundaries to be able to take on more responsibility. Um, And just kind of prove yourself and taking on more work and executing it it and showing that you're capable of it. Uh, But equally, I would say I've learned that it's super important just to be really humble and like learn from everyone around you, like whatever producers you're working with mm -hmm. to just soak in all of their knowledge, ask a lot of questions about how are they doing these things? Mm -hmm. um, You know, how are they executing it and just soaking up anything you can learn from them? Because I think, kind of the balance of the two really like you know pushing yourself and arguing that you're capable of it but then also mm-hmm. being like hey I really don't know how to do this can someone help me and teach me is the best way to kind of propel yourself forward
0: ah I love it you know you you reminded me I have I have a friend who um who is a producer and um in the commercial in the commercial uh, advertising space right mm-hmm. and um and I didn't I, I I thought I did. I thought I knew what producers did until I ran into him and he started telling me about it. and he basically was like, producers are just the people who make sure nothing screws up, right? Like they're <laughs> basically like balancing lots and lots of different plates at once. like is that kind of is that right in the in in your space as well?
1: Yeah, it's a lot of making sure in advance that people know what they're supposed to do. But then uh-huh. when you get there, it's kind of the oversight of a million different things and making sure it's all flowing and uh-huh. a lot of problem solving. So uh-huh. yeah.
0: yeah, that's what he said too. Yeah, a lot of like putting fires out and, and problem solving and yep. thinking quick on your feet and and that sort of thing. So the last thing I'll, I'll leave you with, Anna, is, um, is if you could give your junior year self um some advice. Now I know that uh junior year Anna Bach was pretty w- was pretty uh, <laughs> pretty mature and was already uh was already getting some professional development going. But if you could give your junior year self some advice, what would you give yourself? What advice? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I definitely, I ended up graduating actually in three years from Cal Poly. So I kind of rushed the system and Uh crammed in as much as I could. But, you know, I think if I could go back, I, I wish I had taken a design class. I think that's one thing. Like, I feel like it's so much of what I do, like just creating decks and presentations for people or putting together floor plans and mood boards, things like that. I think some more training in like, design would have been amazing. Yeah. Um, but I think personally, just because like I said, I really rushed through all the academic stuff and gra- had to graduate early. Um, I would kind of tell myself to just enjoy the social aspect of it too, and kind of soak up all that time, like living with your friends and exploring San Luis Obispo, because I miss that part a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, I bet. You know, I, I, I feel like I'm going to get that um, answer. I, I feel like I might have to switch up that question because I feel like I'm going to get that answer almost every time, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> enjoy it while you can. Down. Yeah, enjoy it while you can. But I think it's such great advice, you know? I mean, I look back and um, I did not rush through like you. I uh, I, I was slow with it, but, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I think if I... I think maybe that's why I asked that question is because I look back and think about my junior year self and I needed to give myself a lot of advice. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the people that I'm interviewing in this podcast, you you guys don't need as much as um, as much advice as juniors, but um Anna, I can't, I can't thank you enough for taking the time tonight to sit down and talk with me. It's so good to see you, and congratulations on getting married. And um, now, if somebody wants to go and um and check out one of the candlelight events, um, where to where to, uh, direct them where to go.
1: Definitely. Yeah, they should check out either the Fever app where you can find all of the different events that we have on the platform. Yeah. Um, Or if you want to learn more about Candlelight, it's Um, CandlelightExperience.com. So, yeah, we definitely there are shows in actually over or close to 300 cities worldwide at this point. So wherever you are, you can probably find a candlelight show near you. So I would highly recommend checking it out. It's a really, really great experience.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking uh, taking the time tonight and uh, cheers. Great to see you.
1: Of course. Thank you so much. Yep. Bye. Bye.